Well, good morning. Uh, if you're new to Desert Springs, I'm Caleb Campbell. <laughs> it's been a hard season. It's taken years off my life here. <laughs> my name is Sandy Mason. Uh, I've been ministering in the valley for years, planted a church up on Carefree Highway, Desert View Bible Church, part of the Bible Church family, and now I'm in a, just a great time of kind of ministering at large, and I've been friends with Rick Eford and Caleb. You know, God is doing something really cool among uh, young leaders in the church in the valley, kind of in a lot of areas, sports, industry, the, the old baby boomers are starting to move off the scene, and God is raising up some young men and women who have a great heart for Christ, and they really see their community, they want to bless their community, and they want to have an authentic version of what it means to follow Christ, and Caleb is one of those leaders. In fact, he's a leader among the leaders, and I'm delighted to Watch God bless him and use him here through you all at Desert Springs. So fun to be here with you as we continue on in the Exodus series. Uh, if you have a, a Bible, we're going to be in Exodus 20 today. Uh, Exodus, Moses, the Passover, the Ten Commandments, right? Moses, what a, what a story. I mean, here's a guy... His life breaks into three uh, sections, right? The zero to 40, he's at the pinnacle of his powers, his wisdom, he's, he's strong, God's given him a vision, he's had the great education of Pharaoh's court, and he kind of takes things in his own hands there in Egypt and has to run for his life, you know the story. And now this confident young leader is spending time tending sheep and goats out in the backside of the desert. It'd be one thing if it was three years, right? Or five years, or 10 years, 40 years. 40 years. I mean, he, he lost the vision. He lost the confidence. He, he, he literally has developed a stutter. He can't speak well, and yet God finds him. That's one of the best things about the story. God never writes us off. God never says, oh, you don't quite have all the right equipment. You're not talented enough. I love that he found Moses, now moving toward 80, and says, let's go. And it's another 40 years of life and ministry leading the nation out of Egypt and through the wilderness and into the promised land. But uh, it takes him through a curriculum. You see, they were the Hebrews were in Egypt, right, for a long time, generations. But uh, the Pharaoh that knew Joseph and loved Joseph died, and that new Pharaoh came up, and he didn't love Joseph, and he didn't love the Hebrews, and they made them slaves. And so there was a, a, a ghetto of Hebrews that they hoped they could just use them to uh, build their pyramids and fight their wars and make their bricks, but uh, not become part of the society in any way. And yet God kept blessing them, didn't he? You read the story, and they kept multiplying and getting stronger, and so they had to you know, put on uh, harder demands, more oppression to hold them down, and they cry out to God, and Moses comes and delivers them, and that great story of the signs and wonders and all that happened. But then they wander for 40 years in the wilderness. And I've come to see that the wilderness is a regular part of the curriculum of God for each of us individually as well as for this nation. I mean, don't just say, well, they were wandering for 40 years because, you know, they were bad, they did bad things, so God didn't take them in right away. I, I'm convinced that was always part of the plan. 
He had to teach them. He had to help them let go of their slave mentality so they could think like a free people. Remember, whenever it got hard, what was their first response? Oh, man, I miss Egypt. Oh, I know we were slaves. No, we didn't have a lot of freedom, but at least we knew where our three squares were coming, and, you know, at least we were comfortable as slaves. Can we go back to that? It's kind of a picture of our journey. God finds you and me in our Egypt. We don't know it many times, but we are in bondage, in bondage to ourself, to our flesh, to our sin, to our ambition and our pride and our anger, whatever, all those things that we're feeding and nurturing and wondering why is life not working. For me, that place of bondage, the light came on down at Arizona State uh, in a fraternity dorm room. When the light came on, there was an immediate sense for me of I've been set free. Like the old hymn, my shackles fell off. And I could see what I didn't understand before. But you know, I still liked my sin. And it took years for God to school me in seasons of wilderness wandering to stop loving sin, stop loving my pride and self and lust and greed and all the things that were part of Egypt so that I could become the man he wanted me to become. That's, that's everybody's story. So if you are finding yourself today in a place of wilderness, a place where things are hard, we kind of all are, thank you COVID-19, uh, God has not forgotten us. God didn't wind up a virus and go do something else in another galaxy. God is right here. You matter to him. You are really important to him. As Paul wrote in Romans 8, he who gave his son for you, how will he not with him give you everything you need? You are bought with a price. You are valuable to him. But the wilderness is a regular part of his curriculum for the nation here as we're in Exodus, just like for you and me. So when we talk about the Ten Commandments, what, what do you think about that? Okay, close, close your book. Uh, how many of you could give me the Ten Commandments right now verbatim? Anybody been rehearsing them? Some Christians think uh, they're not even relevant for today. Like now I'm under grace. I'm in Jesus. That's the law. That's Old Testament. Now I'm following Christ and all has been forgiven and so the law that's works righteousness have you heard that maybe you've thought that well we we go back to the ten commandments that's works righteousness see we have this huge misconception that that the law isn't important to God that his commandments don't matter oh contraire Christian listen to the words of Jesus himself can we throw up a Matthew 5 team this is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. There's folks that actually kind of think, yeah, don't need that Old Testament stuff. I didn't come to abolish, to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. And then this powerful close, therefore ever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom. Whoever does and teaches 
these commands will be called great in the kingdom. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get in the kingdom of heaven. What does he mean, greater than the scribes and Pharisees? Well, the scribes and Pharisees, you know, were all about externals, how we look. Jesus said, it's like you have a cup, and all you do is clean the outside. Remember that uh, harsh word to them, but you let the inside stay rotten and putrid? That was the Pharisees. They were all about how it looked to others, impressing you. But there was no heart change. There was no genuine love for Christ. So when Jesus says, I want your righteousness to be greater than the Pharisees, he doesn't mean I want you to be, you know, organizing your, your pantry with all the spices in the right order and, and show me a tithe of each. No, what he's saying is I want this to come from the heart. That's greater, the heart. Jesus said again, it's not what's outside you that defiles you. It's what comes from inside you. Deal with your heart. And the commandments are his tool, his curriculum, to change my heart. So don't be too quick to throw out the Old Testament and the commands. As Jesus said, they still matter. The commandments are a gift to the nation to teach them how to live. In fact, they can be a gift to other nations, particularly the last six are truths that are laws that still make sense. One politician said, you know, we've, we've got over a million laws on our books just to keep the Ten Commandments. So they're not the Ten Suggestions. They still matter. They're still important. Don't delete moral law. Listen, this was a helpful quote from uh, someone who's with Jesus now, but I loved his writing. Anyone know Dallas Willard? Anybody enjoy his writings? A few of you, yeah. Uh, wonderful. I guess because he was a philosophy professor, he just had a fresh take on the Gospels and, and the Word. And uh, I think he helped, helped me put together more clearly, where's the law fit in my life under grace with Jesus? Here's his quote. This is the Willard quote. Law is not the source of rightness, or we would say righteousness, being right with God, but it is the course of rightness. Isn't that good? It's not the source. Jesus is the source of your righteousness. You are right before God because of your, your childlike faith in Christ, but it, there's still a course to be had. There's training to happen. The Christian life is not trying to be good, trying, T-R-Y, it's training to be good. You are in training now as you follow Jesus. It's not just, I prayed a prayer, and now I'll go to heaven, and you know, if I do something wrong, well, that's what grace is about. Oh, friend, don't cheapen grace. Grace was never meant to be your, you know, free excuse card. Grace is what gives you hope that you can keep the commands because the commands are good. The commands will bless you. There's a whole Psalm 119 where the psalmist rhapsodizes on and on about the beauty of the law. What's he talking about? Because the wisdom of the law gives life to you. For example, you should not commit adultery. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Who here is married? Anybody married? Who here thinks adultery is a good thing in your marriage? No. Not committing adultery blesses your marriage. All God's commands are designed to protect and provide for you. Not, he has no interest in, you know, Putting a bar up, well, let's see if you can jump that. Oh, you did? Okay, let's make it higher. That, 
That's not God. And some people have this idea that's what he's interested in. He's interested in showing his love and grace to you and giving you life. Jesus said, I've come that you must have life and life to the fullest. And it starts with obeying my commands. Listen again, Jesus, John 14, 21. Team, can we throw that up? This is Jesus, John 14, 21. The one who has my commands and keeps them. Keeps is a synonym for obey. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. Ah. People say, I I want the Lord to, you know, show me what he wants me to do. I want him to direct my life. I I want him to meet me in worship. And we think that means, well, go to a revival meeting and get zapped by the Holy Spirit or something. No, it'll be a street sign. Jesus says in John 14, the way to know me so that I can reveal myself to you is to follow me in obedience. When you are just following self in sin, you can't hear him. Sin is like noise that keeps you from hearing the word of God. But when you begin to obey him, for example, again, we'll use adultery. Lord, uh, Jesus said it's not just about a word for marriage, folks. It's about lust. I don't want you to lust. Lust is corrosive to your soul. It's corrosive to your vision of the opposite sex. It's addictive. It steals uh, relationships. It destroys them. Jesus is warning us, beware of lust. So if you you say, Lord, I'm going to give you my sexuality. I'm going to trust you with my sexuality. I'm going to walk in, in purity of mind and heart, what I look at, what I think about. Now, as you're doing that, you know what happens? He begins to speak. His word comes to life. Your prayers, you begin to experience the presence of God because you are walking in his commandments. Don't misunderstand. It's not works righteousness. You're not earning his love. You're just finally walking in the path where he speaks. Like a pilot, you're in his plane. It's full of 180 passengers. You're about to land at Sky Harbor. The pilot says, you know, they make me always land on this runway. I mean, every time, oh, yeah, you got to take that run. You know, let's be creative. Let's do our own thing. All in favor, raise your hand. I'll land this on a driveway. No, pilot, oh, command the law. Stay with the law. Obey the law. That's what God is saying. If you'll obey me, you will experience life as I designed it to be. And that's what the Ten Commandments are. The Christian life is a call to follow Jesus. Not just, oh, I prayed a prayer, and so I guess when I die, I'll go to heaven. You know folks like that. And they're, they're not following Christ. They don't love Christ. You want to ask them, you know, if you're this disinterested in Christ now, heaven's going to be a real drag for you. No, the Christian life is following him, listening to him, obeying him. His, Jesus said, my yoke is light compared to the burden of sin, compared to the burden of legalism. My yoke is easy and light. Follow me. Come under my leadership. That's the heart of the Savior. All right. Let's look at uh, these commandments together. How are we doing? Oh, we still got some time. All right. The commandments fall into two parts. The first four are about God. And then the last six are about your relationships, marriage, community, 
And the last six are the ones that would bless any community, any nation that took them. The first four are unique to those who love the Lord God, who know the Lord God. But they, they can be summarized. You know, Jesus, when I say that Jesus wants you to keep his commands, he doesn't want you to be burdened with 147 things you're supposed to remember every day. Oh, I got to keep all the commands. Okay, what are they again? I got to remember. No, in fact, the summary is, is life-giving. It's freedom. Look at what he said. He was asked this question, Matthew 22. They were asking him to, uh, to catch him. You know, well, which one will he say is the greatest? And we'll be able to make a case that ah, that wasn't the greatest and discredit him. That's what they want to do. They want to discredit him, but he's way too smart. He's the smartest man who ever lived. Did you know that? Yeah. So they asked him to test him, teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Great question. Here it is. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. This is the greatest and most important. And we could say the first four that we're going to look at this morning are summarized right there. The second is like it. There's the next, the last six. Love your neighbors yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. There's your great summary. Essentially, the commandments are calling you to make God first and love and pursue him, obey him, and then love your neighbor. And now some of the details. Let's look together. Hope you have a Bible. We can look at these together, these 10. We're just going to hit some highlights that hopefully will give you a little insight. You with me? Exodus 20. The Lord, God spoke and said, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, you shall have no other gods before me. Is God, is God insecure? Has God got such a massive God-sized ego that he just can't stand any competition? No, he's saying the reality, there is no other God. There's demons, there's devils, but there's just one God. So don't waste your time listening to the other nations around you that want to tell you about other gods. In fact, the Israelites are going to move into the country of other nations that are pantheistic. I mean, they worship everything. Animals, stars, trees, uh, storms, stuff they make. I mean, they have so many gods, it's burdensome keeping track of how to appease all those gods. So he's just clearing the ground, making it simple. Listen, there's one God, it's me. That's not, that's not his ego, that's just the truth. There's one God. If you go chasing anything else, anyone else, it will damage you. Don't have any idols. Don't make for yourself an idol. Number two, anything like heaven or earth or under the earth, don't worship them or serve them. For I, you with me, verse five, am a jealous God. Jealous in the best sense of that word. Maybe a, a better translation would be zealous. God is zealous for you. He doesn't want to share you. It's like a marriage. Uh, is, is it fun to share your spouse with other people? No, and tragically, that's what's happening in our culture with polyamory now. Yeah, we'll, we'll just share each other. It, it's devastating. It's destructive. It's like Drano in the relationship. No, the, the husband is jealous for his wife's loyalty and affection, and the wife is jealous for her husband. God, in the same way, is jealous for you. He loves you. He died for you. And so he wants your worship. doesn't want to share you. 
Jesus will say like this in the Gospels, no one can serve two masters. Invariably, you'll love one and hate the other. It's just the way we're made. So settle that issue, dear one. Is there one God? Do you know him? Do you love him? Are you under his lordship? Luther, the great old reformer, Martin Luther, he said, an idol is whatever your heart clings to. Whatever you rely on, that is your idol. That is your false god. So you may not have a little Buddha in your bedroom, but you got some credit cards here that make you feel real secure, don't they? I can always buy what I need to buy. That nameplate over the door to your office, that makes me feel real secure. I got, I got an office with my name on it. Maybe it's your kids. I got all these kids. I feel secure. It's just so human. It's just so human to put our confidence in something we can see, touch, tangible. So the warning of this command is just be careful. Hold things loosely. Don't put your confidence in them. They'll all let you down. If there's one thing the pandemic has done, it has knocked the props out of things that couldn't sustain your weight, right? Your health, your money, your job, your relationships, all those things got taken in one way or another for folks. And that can be the gift that people would turn and say, oh God, maybe you're enough. Maybe you're who I've needed all along. But all of us who follow Christ are tempted all the time, are we not? To put my hope and trust in, in my gifts, my skills, other people. This commandment is a great reminder, Sandy, keep me first. Don't take my name in vain. My name is sacred. It matters. There's power in the name of God. God doesn't want us to be casual or flippant. Don't you know, don't say, oh, the guy upstairs. You know, that's disrespectful. That's taking his name in vain. It's not just cursing. It's being too familiar with him. Remember who he is. He's God. You're not. He holds your life in his hands. Your heart is beating due to his uh, favor and permission. So I, don't, I know he loves me. I know he's good, but, but he's God. I'll not get too casual with him. I'll not be flip with him. Don't take his name in vain. Then remember the Sabbath. Oh, now here's one where there's Christians of battle. We're supposed to keep the Sabbath. Uh, some uh, Christians say we should be worshiping on Saturday because that was the original Sabbath, but others like us today, we said no, Sunday is resurrection day, so the church early on made Sunday the worship day. But uh, Paul was clear in Galatians, don't, don't let anybody beat you up about what day. See, the Sabbath wasn't a hoop to jump through. It's, Jesus said it, you weren't made for the Sabbath. God didn't make people so he could watch him obey the Sabbath. The Sabbath was what? Made for you. Why? Because you need to rest. Every six days you need to turn it off, turn the stuff off, and make him the focus, enjoy him, enjoy what he's made, enjoy loved ones, enjoy food and sports and whatever brings you pleasure, but just, just turn off the work, turn off the computer, turn off the phone, the stuff. We're made, if we don't do that, we crash and burn. We pay a price physically. This is God's gift to us. Have a Sabbath. If you're a cop, 
and you got to work on Saturday and Sunday, you're, you're not out of the will of God. Just be sure you give yourself a day of rest. Not, not for legalism's sake, but because it's good for you. Remember the Sabbath. So those, those are the God-centered ones. Take time to worship me. Give thanks. Give back. And then the practical ones. Honor your mother and father. It's, it's sad that we live in a day where more and more young adults are divorcing their parents. No, no fear of God about just saying, well, we're going to just push you out of our life right now. This is uh, how God kept society together. Honor the mother and father. Show respect to them. Uh, the next one, don't murder. Sometimes people want to say, I don't know anybody here, if you like to hunt, they'll say, well, how, if you're a Christian, how can you hunt? Isn't that breaking that commandment? You know, the Hebrews, their language, they had a, a, a different word for killing uh, in hunting, killing in war, and murder, and this is murder. So they're very specific. They're talking about when you take the life of another person wantonly. That's what this is about. They even have in the law uh, manslaughter. You know, they had cities of refuge. Are you familiar with that? Where you could, you could go to another city until the anger of the family that you accidentally, you know, you're out in the field throwing the axe and your axe head came off and it killed the guy across from you. It was an accident, but the family's mad. You could go to a city of refuge where you were protected until the family calmed down and then you could be restored back to your, your own town. The, the law, God's beautiful wisdom to think of all these things. If that manslaughter is a different word than this one, this is murder. This is where you've decided like Cain to his brother, I'm going to take your life. Don't commit adultery. We've talked about that and the, the whole thing about your sexuality. The Bible's real clear. God designed sex for a man and a woman in marriage. That's his plan. Is that because he's mean? No, it's because he knows that's the healthiest plan for how I made men and women. That's, that's my protection. Don't steal uh, property rights. We need to write this note to the government regularly, don't we? Quit stealing from me. But, uh, you know, what do we do with uh, stuff at work, with expense accounts? There's so many ways that we can steal and justify it because it's, oh, it's a big company or they'll never miss it or the school doesn't care or my golf partner won't know that I really had nine strokes and I wrote down six. Okay, that's a little much. Don't bear false witness. Tell the truth. That's key to our whole court of law. I think they still have you put your hand on a Bible, don't they? All in the spirit of this, this commandment. Tell the truth. Don't bear false witness. See, we, we lose these commandments. We lose the fear of God. And what happens? Society unravels. America, exhibit A. Lastly, don't covet. Oh, well, you'll never keep that one. If you're on social media, it's just no way. You know, every, you're watching everybody's highlight reel. The greatest vacation. The greatest wedding. Oh, the greatest kids. Oh, the greatest. I mean, you're, you can't help but feel like I'm about third level here of humanity. And you're jealous and you covet. It's when you think that uh, what somebody else has is what would really make your life rich. And God is saying, oh, I want to protect you from that. Be content. 
Be content. If that's all you heard today, that could change your life. If you just left today saying, okay, God, man, I've, I've been coveting this house, this car, this job, this person. I'm going to take a deep breath and just say, I'm fine. And all that I have from you is enough. And then if he wants to give you more different, you can praise him. But as long as we're always grinding and seeking and fantasizing, there's no joy in that. These commandments are this, the bedrock, the foundation for a joyful relationship with God and a joyful relationship with your neighbor, your spouse, your coworkers. Such wisdom here. And Jesus said, don't forget the spirit behind it. So grace is not, oh, I don't keep any of the commandments, but God forgives me. No, that's misusing grace. Grace is, God, by your grace, I want my word to be my bond. By your grace, I want to have healthy sexual thoughts. By your grace, uh, I want to be a person that tells the truth. By your grace, I want to keep you first. That's what grace is for. Grace enables me to keep the commands that honor and please God. One of my heroes in the faith is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a, a pastor in Nazi Germany and uh, ended up being uh, hung because of his resistance toward Hitler when he was 39, but his writings like Cost of Discipleship is a classic. But uh, here's Bonhoeffer's statement about faith and belief. Let this sink in for a minute. Only those who believe obey. If you call yourself a believer you're going to want to obey God. And only those who obey really believe. It's good, isn't it? Only those who believe obey, and only those who obey believe. So obedience isn't to earn something, it's evidence of something. If you say you believe, then you will want to obey because Jesus himself said, that's how I reveal myself to you is in the paths of righteousness. What did the psalmist pray? Lord, lead me in paths of righteousness for your namesake. Why? Because in that path of righteousness, that's when he begins to reveal himself and you experience his presence and his love and his grace. The commandments are good. I hope that today maybe I give you a fresh desire to know the commandments, to live the commandments. After first service, I had a woman come up and she said, uh, you know, I worked in a delinquent teen center for delinquent teens. And one of the things we'd have them do is read the Ten Commandments. She said, just having those kids read the Ten Commandments began to change their thinking and behavior. There's, there's power and beauty in the law of God. Don't, don't diminish the law because of grace. Jesus was full of grace and truth. May you and I be found to be men and women of grace and truth. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true, that it's good, that it's not there to uh, punish us, but to show us the path of righteousness, that our life might be full and rich. Thank you that in grace I'm not having to earn your love, that you are with me and you'll pick me up when I fall. But I want to live well, Lord. I thank you for your word that shows me how to live well. Your word indeed is a light to my path, and I thank you in Christ's name. Amen.